1: My guest is award-winning journalist Howard Stutz, who is executive editor of CDC Gaming Reports, a leading gaming industry news resource, as well as a contributor to the Nevada Independent, a nonpartisan nonprofit news and opinion website. For everything about CDC, go to cdcgamingreports.com. And for everything about Howard Stutz, you can follow him on Twitter at Howard Stutz. And Howard, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. It's a pleasure. I wanted to talk initially, before we get into the nuts and bolts of your beat, how did you start your beat? In other words, what was it about gaming that drew your interest? Because your background, in addition to journalism, there's public relations and other aspects, but how did you decide to focus on gaming?
0: Well, it goes back to, um, I actually started as a sports writer (laughs) back in the 1980s with the Las Vegas Sun, but I had moved over to the R.J. in about 1987. That's a review journal for Re- our
1: listeners who may not know what R.J. is. Yeah, exactly.
0: The Review Journal, 1987. And they were looking, you know, we, we had an opening for the gaming beat. And at the time, you know, gaming was really confined to just Nevada and Atlantic City, New Jersey. So it was kind of a, it, it was more, it wasn't as much a business story as it was more of a, you know, a, a just a, a general news story in, in Las Vegas. And at the time, it was starting to turn into more of a business story. So I jumped, I had an interest in that, and, and that's, where, that's kind of where I started. And I actually was the reporter, gave me a report at the RJ in 19, uh, around 1989, 1990, when Deadwood, South Dakota, legalized gambling, small stakes gambling as a way to uh, increase tourism in that market, which is near, you know, Mount Rushmore. And that was the first new gaming market outside of uh, Nevada, New Jersey. And then we saw what happened with gaming, where it expanded quickly over the last, I don't know, what... what 30 years I've been doing this, and we have casinos now in like 40 states around the U.S.
1: Were you surprised at the uh, expansion of gaming from just uh, initially, as you said, Las Vegas, Atlantic City, and all of a sudden it explodes and it's everywhere now?
0: Well, what's funny was is that Nevada used to have a regulation on the books. I can't remember which one. was. I think it was Regulation 5, Regulation 6. Called it Foreign Gaming. Well, when they what they termed as foreign gaming was anything outside Nevada.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: you know, it wasn't it wasn't now we think about Macau and 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 you know around the world where, where casinos are legalized. So, that that did, I eventually wiped that off the books because, you know, all these Nevada companies started expanding into all these different markets. What it turned out to be was it wasn't, you know, there was always the fear, oh, my God, it's going to destroy Las Vegas, you know, you know casinos everywhere are going to do this, you know, Indian casinos expanding, you know, they came aboard. What they became really was for these companies like Caesars, um, Harrah's at the time, uh, MGM and others. Were marketing tools to bring people to Las Vegas. You go to a Harris property in in Illinois, and they advertise all the all their Harris casinos, in you know around the in Nevada, Harris Las Vegas, Harris Lake Tahoe, Harris Reno. So it was really a marketing tool to you know attract customers who want to come to Las Vegas. So that's really what it, really what it, what how it all started out.
1: Isn't the bigger story than the expansion of gaming is the conversion of casinos from individual and company ownership to public corporation ownership.
0: Absolutely. And that's what, that's what attracted me back in the, in the, in the late eighties, we started to see this where the casinos decided, the companies decided to go corporate, go public as a way of raising money for, you know, to build, you know, new properties and to expand and to do all these different things. So that was a, that was a, really was a, a you know way the gaming industry has, has changed over the last 30 years. Pretty much, you see only, there's only a handful of solo casino operators on the Las Vegas Strip now. I mean, you know, Michael Gaughan, obviously, at South Point. Phil Ruffin with the Treasure Island. Now, um, uh, Alex Morello, who is a businessman out of California, who bought the Grand Sierra I converted the old, the old MGM Reno <laughs> is now the Grand Sierra and Reno. And he has since now taken the old, what was the Sahara, became the SLS. He bought that, and has now converted it back to Sahara. So you see, very few of these small you know, independent-type operators is really more of a corporate
1: business now. Yeah, I mean, you have the M Resort further down on the strip as yeah. well. M
0: Resort is uh, M Resort's owned by Penn National Gaming. Well, you're right. A yeah. big pu- public company yeah, that owns... I keep owns, thinking,
1: I think, when it was first built, see, my right. mind is stuck there. You're right.
0: Right, by the Marnells. You know, yeah. now Penn, yeah. and Penn National owns M Resort, but they also own the Tropicana Las Vegas. So, it's a you know, it's a, it could be a little confusing, the ownerships, because think about it, Tropicana Las Vegas and Tropicana Atlantic City are owned by different companies. They're not owned by the same company.
1: Yeah, it's it's a, not a Rubik's cube, but there's certainly a uh, major, <laughs> a major. You have, to, you have to really chart this to figure out who's you, where and what's what. You need a what. scorecard. Yeah, you yeah, need a yeah.
0: scorecard to yeah. tell all the players. And even for <laughs> someone we...
1: like you who does daily, it's got to be a little confusing occasionally.
0: I enjoy it because it's much. You see a lot of change. It's one thing about this industry. There's always a lot of change. You know, now the recession really changed a lot of things. That was that was a that was a, a tough thing to follow back in the you know nine years ago, nine ten years ago. We're still seeing a lot of change now. You know, companies Penn National acquired Pinnacle Entertainment, and and and, 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 and you know it's grown as a huge regional casino operator. Now you see what's happening with Eldorado out of Reno buying Caesars Entertainment, and Eldorado is going to become one of the biggest gaming, co- probably the biggest largest casino company in the US with this with this deal. So it's a you know it's a, it's a fascinating industry to follow all the change and how things move along.
1: Do you think though the growth of the corporate ownership is good in general for gaming as an industry and for Las Vegas as a specific destination?
0: It has been because it opened up for the market it expanded gaming but it also for the for, you know around the country but for Las Vegas it opened uh, the market up to capital and and the thing everybody has to remember is Las Vegas you get back to this it's not about gambling anymore really it's about the whole experience the whole non-gaming entertainment experience that you bring in with las vegas that what draws you know 43 million people a year here gambling revenues when you, the gaming control board puts the, up the abstract every every january sixty to sixty five percent of the revenues on the strip come from non gaming resources there's a casino you live in any major city there's a casino within you know six an hour ninety minutes drive from your from your house. so you don't go to Las Vegas specifically to gamble. You come here for everything else, and that's what the big drivers the big change we've seen in Las Vegas.
1: That has been going on for at least 15 years, I think, maybe even 20, where that shift from the focus totally on gaming to all the other elements of the experience, such as entertainment, such as retail, such as dining. The gaming portion of the pie became smaller, but obviously contributes to the overall experience.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it's really, you know, and it was the smartest, when you see this, this is the smartest thing Las Vegas did was go in that direction. You look at a market like like Atlantic City. They were, you know, they were going on gangbusters back in the mid two thousands um, in terms of gaming revenue, but they didn't. It became. It was still more of a gaming destination. Well, casinos opened in all their feeder markets, Philadelphia, um, all throughout the Northeast. We see casino casinos opening up that cut into Atlantic City's uh, gaming pie, but they didn't have what Las Vegas had to continue to attract visitors Las Vegas everybody thought when California legalized Indian casino allowed Indian casinos to flourish they all thought that was going to be the end of Las Vegas well no it's it, it, California has some very fine properties but they're not concentrated like Las Vegas is and that's what that's what's really kept Las Vegas going and and, and, and will continue to keep Las Vegas you know the center of the, the gaming universe for, for years to come
1: so it's more the sum is is larger than the parts absolutely put it together in terms yeah. of las vegas from your perspective and covering las vegas as long as you have in gaming in general what's the biggest change in the last five years that would be positive and the biggest change in the last five years that would be negative
0: well right now with the corporate the negative side and we're seeing a lot of debate about this the resort fees that las vegas used to be you come here for the value you get a room for 20 bucks or whatever it is, and then you go out and, you know, because they could give the rooms away because you, people were gambling. Now it's everything's is, with the corporate side, it's focused on revenue. And there's a, a non-traditional measurement called revenue per available room, or REVPAR. They, re, at Wall Street, really, really focuses on that figure, REVPAR figure. And the resort fees have become a very heated topic of debate and discussion. So that's that's probably a negative that's come along and with
1: park, this parking fees as well. Well, the parking fees, yeah. We and I, I you know, it, I grew up in California.
0: When I moved here, I've traveled all over. Parking fees—that's typical everywhere. Atlantic City's had parking fees. We in Las Vegas became so accustomed to parking for free on the Strip, it just became that it was more heated on the to the resident side, to the local side. We're angered by this. Thing. We had we have to you know that we had to pay for parking on the strip now, and so that became a a negative. The positive has just been everything that you've seen with Las Vegas, just the change. I mean, you have restaurants and shows that you don't find anywhere else now with professional sports too. MGM building the 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 T-Mobile Arena and bringing the 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 hockey team here, bringing the Vegas Golden Knights that you know the league putting Vegas Golden Knights in town. That's been a huge boost. You know on on you know to to give. A pr- impression for Las Vegas as a major league city. Now with the Raiders coming in a year, that's going to be another big boost. Uh, you know, for the you know, bringing Las Vegas as more of a major league city beyond the gaming attraction. So that's I think then the casinos. So I think that's really been the big positive. Yeah,
1: we haven't talked about sports, but I guess that would be under the, under the category of entertainment in a way. Is there another category that Las Vegas hasn't explored yet that that will be end up down the road? be part of that mix. So we have entertainment and under that sports, we have dining, we have retail, we have gaming obviously. Uh there's special events. Is there another category that I haven't thought of or that you I'm, may want to bring to the fore? I'm
0: not sure of it. I mean, the sports thing was the biggest not category that we didn't really have. And now that we're seeing that, we saw what happened with the Golden Knights. When you go to the arena, you see pockets of fans from all the others from the from the visiting cities that come here because it's part of the, they come to Vegas. I remember going on the New Year's Eve game in the first season, it was a, it was played in the morning in the afternoon, at, at, but it was they were playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. Half the the arena was 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 full of Maple Leafs fans. It was, and when you go back out of the strip, there were you know people dressed in Maple Leafs blue all up and down the strip. And they came here for new year's Eve, you know to to watch the to watch the team it's that's what's really been the big attraction. I think we're going to see that with the Raiders next next year that 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 fans from the from the visiting markets are going to come here you know you know why go you know a couple of Las Vegas visit with going to see the Raiders play we, you know their team play the Raiders, so I think that's really what that's been the big change of the sport, yeah
1: so it's a combination oh, and one other category we did not touch on is conventions that's another. Piece Conve- of the
0: pie. Conventions continues to be a big, huge piece of the pie, because not just the, the expansion we're seeing with the Las Vegas Convention Center, they're spending, what, close to a billion dollars to, you know, increase the size of the Las Vegas Convention Center, but individual companies, especially MGM and Caesars, are building big convention facilities because of, you know, on their on their sites to attract Continue to attract convention business. So and, and like the, the midweek meetings, business meetings, business. So there's a lot that continues to be a huge benefit for the city to draw people here. Uh, and it's yeah, it is. You know, we're going to see that that visitor total continue to increase over the years.
1: Is there another category, I mentioned that a little bit earlier, and then I, I thought of the convention aspect, but is there another category, in addition, that we just haven't thought about that could be part of the I don't experience? I
0: don't know. I'm sure, there, I'm sure there are people smarter than me that are already trying to figure <laughs> that out. So I, you know, I, hate to, I hate to try to be there. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, we keep, on, we keep on finding more, it seems like. There seems more reasons to come here. And, I mean, that will continue. The, you know, we, we talk about the, the Allegiant Stadium, which will be the home of the Raiders, Um, And you all be football. They're going to have huge concerts and other sporting events coming in, you know, soccer and basketball tournaments. We're going to see that. I think that's the I think the sports aspect, which has always been big. And we go back to the national finals rodeo coming here to Las Las Vegas. I think that's that's where we're going to see a big growth.
1: I wonder too whether the outdoors part of that has not been emphasized enough in the sense of Red Rock and Mount Charleston and other areas, Lake Mead, Hoover Dam.
0: They yeah, have all these elements. It maybe get more a little more emphasized now. I mean at some point over the years. It's always been there. I mean people you know, you look at uh, tourists that come here, they'll they'll may make a day trip out to Lake Mead or to, you know, out to Hoover to see Hoover Dam or hike at Red Rock. You know, there's a, you know, that 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 type of that, that outdoor type experience that's still there. And I think it's 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 emphasized. It's not as big as an emphasis as, as others, but it's, it is it is a, it is part of the attraction to Vegas.
1: Well, let's take a break. My guest, award-winning journalist Howard Stutz, is executive editor of CDC Gaming Reports. It's a leading gaming industry news resource. He's also a contributor to the Nevada Independent. For everything about CDC, go to cdcgamingreports.com. And for everything about Howard Stutz, you can follow him on Twitter at Howard Stutz. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About
0: Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. There's something new at the Neon Museum. The emerging technology of light mapping brings old signs back to life. Forgotten artifacts of our past that once blazed in the Las Vegas night are reanimated in a dazzling immersion of sight and sound. You've never seen anything like it because there's never been anything
1: like it. Brilliant, a Neon Museum experience. Performances nightly. Join the experience now at neonmuseum.org.
0: Now let's get back to talk about Las Vegas with Ira.
1: Welcome back. I'm talking with award-winning journalist Howard Stutz. He's executive editor of CDC Gaming Reports. It's a leading gaming industry news resource, as well as a contributor to the Nevada Independent, a nonpartisan nonprofit news and opinion website. For everything about CDC, go to cdcgamingreports.com. And for everything about Howard Stutz, and that's S-T-U-T-Z, follow him on Twitter at Howard Stutz. Howard, if I... I had to narrow it down to, from your point of view, the top three leaders currently in the industry, the gaming industry, or the Las Vegas gaming industry, who would those three people be?
0: Well, Jim Murren, the CEO and chairman of MGM Resorts, he's been, had that position now Going back almost over ten years, he came on right before before they opened City Center and was involved pretty much saving the company during you know during the recession.
1: Uh, he succeeded Terry Lanny.
0: He succeeded Terry Lanny. He came on about a year before City Center opened. He had been the CFO. He's probably one of the most quoted industry leaders in Las Vegas. Now, if you go out to the gaming industry, I think you look at look at some people like uh, Tim, Wilmot, Tim Wilmot, who is the CEO of Penn National Gaming has built a huge uh, regional gaming operation. and they're here in Vegas, but they're also but they're throughout the country. I mean you go to any, any state where gaming is like 19 different states. Tim Wilmot is the CEO of, of Penn, and Penn has a huge influence. The industry is changing. I mean with, we, we see you know the retirements, the departure of Steve Wynn, obviously, it was a huge, huge factor what i see what's kind of interesting in that company is phil satry longtime chairman of Harrah's and ceo of Harrah's, who retired from that from that company went on and kind of did did some board work he's come back and he's the chairman of board of chairman of the board of win resort so he yes. has a heavy influence over that company and he's been a longtime gaming figure so i think you know seeing phil satry back in the picture is kind of important for the industry as a whole there are others people within the indian casino market regional operators that are smaller or you know have, have an influence outside. you can't discount the influence of Shell Nattleson who, who is, is ill right now as you know as uh, we disclosed earlier this year and he's is, is kind of take is not really he's not involved in the day-to-day operations of Las Vegas Sands, but uh, has kind of turned that over to to Rob Goldstein as the president of the company. So we're you know there, there, there's a lot of change going on in a sense within the gaming industry. Boyd Gaming Corporation, which is went from a basically a, a, a Las Vegas casino company, is now a huge regional casino operator. Bill Boyd continues to have an influence. He's a chair, the chairman emeritus over, I guess, executive, executive chairman. Executive chairman, right? Yeah, over the company. Keith Smith is the CEO, and he has the you know is driving the day to day operations. But Bill Boyd continues to be a, a huge presence in the gaming industry, in my mind.
1: So you give me actually more than three, which I appreciate sometimes people I ask for three and then people give me one or two you give me about four or five which it's a, I, it's, which it's, I'm
0: a, glad. it's really changing I, right. I mean you look at look at the slot machine industry, the manufacturing side, the consolidation there there's a lot of new new people new new um, influence over it it's a very it's a it's a very Changing industry at this point I, th- I see is very very fluid, very changing as we as we move on.
1: do you think part of the challenge too is the new market, the millennial market is that causing that change?
0: Oh yeah no no, no question I mean there's such a focus. how do we get millennials to gamble well <laughs> they don't <laughs> you know what I mean they do and they don't. Uh, years ago my daughter who's now who who just recently graduated law school she went to school outside of Las Vegas went to school in University of Arizona and came to town with a group of sorority and fraternity friends and you know the big weekend here None of them gambled. They're in their early twenties. None of them gambled. They all went to the clubs, all went to dinners, all hung out at the pools, all did did all that kind of stuff. Very few of them gambled. So it's a it's how to attract millennials to gamble is a, is a question. You know, what, whether it's the new slot machines that might you know that are more skill based. You know, some millennials get more involved with table games because it's have more interest that way. I mean, that's really the question that the, the concern that a lot of Las Vegas and a lot of the game industry nationwide has about how do you track millennials into the market.
1: So they're going to have to crack that code at some point.
0: At some point, point then they're doing that. I mean, there's little things that changes the shows, making things more friendly. Notices. It's just how you how you reach out to millennials. The cell phone, you know, the the the, the smartphones. You know, right. everybody's attached. Has their, they're attached to their smartphones now. Even myself, I'm sixty years old. I'm attached to a smartphone. <laughs> I mean, you. That's how you attract. That's how you
1: draw people. Sure, and with probably some apps that will. Uh, right, and the messages. I right. mean,
0: we haven't. Internet gaming has not really taken off in the U.S. I mean, we've got it. It's legal in five states, but only two only two or three are really active and only one has a real a heavy internet gaming market and that's New Jersey. So, I mean internet gaming has not been a big you know, not been a big factor. I think the newest and we haven't even really discussed this, is sports betting now that it's going nationwide. That's the biggest change and draw to get more folks interested in the gaming industry right now is we have thirteen states as we're recording this, the 13th state is going to open this weekend in Indiana, and there are five more states on the cusp of opening legalized sports books in their, or, and online in their casinos and through their racetracks. So it's a very, it's, that's the most fluid movement we've seen in the gaming industry right
1: now. This may sound like heresy, but putting aside sports betting, which, as you say, is exploding, but could Las Vegas and other markets survive? With a diminished demand for gaming, because we talked earlier on about all these other market segments, entertainment, retail, sports, conventions, just the rooms themselves, staying here as a, as a vacation, etc. So you've got all this revenue coming in from all these various streams. Could you survive with a diminished gaming revenue segment?
0: Well, Las Vegas has proven you can. Because they've that's they, the gaming revenue is diminished, but not all the other revenue, not the not the non-gaming revenues. Those are expanding and continue to grow. So and Las Vegas gaming revenues will will you know slowly are getting you know will slowly increase, with along with it. That's it's more so the non-gaming side. Las Vegas has proven that. The challenge is other markets because you see the Northeast, for example, casinos have been legalized and, and are operating in Maryland. Um, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and more on the way. I've probably missed a state or two. New York has casinos in in up, upstate New York and in the Indian Market. It's that that's the that's the biggest challenge in these. In, are they oversaturated with casinos? And is there enough is there enough gaming is there enough to customer to go around? To satisfy all these casino openings, that's been the biggest question we've seen nationally. Not so much Las Vegas, because of the sense of you know we you know this market has changed and continues to evolve to draw non-gaming business. That's the biggest challenge the Indian gaming industry nationwide. Ira, they've that's a focus on non-gaming is, you know, doing these type of attractions, non-gaming, bringing them up in the non-gaming business, the retail, the restaurants, the, you know, et cetera. That's been the challenge now the Indian markets have to do to, continue to attract big customers because they're facing competition from from other states. So it's a very that's where the dynamic really is. And you know, you take and Atlantic City is, is faced this now and that's why we're seeing a little more in non gaming attractions going into Atlantic City at this point.
1: One of the categories is entertainment and that has changed over the decades since I've been here and since you've been here. I wonder if there's been a correlation by the bean counters in looking at entertainment and what draws Gaming revenue based on the entertainment. In other words, would a production show generate more gaming revenue, or would a superstar generate more gaming revenue, or a combination of the two or three or whatever it happens
0: well, to be? Well, you look, look at MGM. I'll use them as an example. They, they, and and I'm only doing this from personal experience because we have tickets for Bruno Mars in a couple of weeks. <laughs>
1: right. It, the,
0: the Park Theater at MGM, the old Park, the old Monte Carlo is now called the Park MGM. They built a, they built a, I think about five, six thousand. Uh, Seat theater that's dedicated toward these name acts. You have Lady Gaga, Cher, uh, Aerosmith, all these residencies. The, these acts, these these headliners are drawing business in. It's not the old showroom, it's you know in which are still around and and still draw you know they have their own have their own headliners. That's that type of entertainment is drawing people now. Keith Smith from Boy Gaming, he's the one who told me this years ago when I was, during my time at the Review-Journal, when we were talking about, and I still talk to Keith, but it was time for the CDC, but it, he brought this up to me a few years ago. He said, the change is we don't care. A dollar a, a of dollar revenue is a dollar of revenue. We don't care whether it's coming from a slot machine or a show, or a restaurant, or wherever it is, or a hotel room, it's still revenue, and that's what they're counting, and if these if these entertainment acts are drawing people to come, you know, people come, we'll, we'll focus, I had a friend from San Diego came up because Diana Ross was playing at, the, at I think at Wynn, and they came to town specifically to see Diana Ross. Yeah, they gambled a little bit, they have gambling in San Diego, there's Indian casinos all throughout San Diego County, but they came here and gambled a little bit, but they came specifically for the Diana Ross show. And, you know, they ate down there and, you know, and stayed in the hotels and and did whatever, but they came for that show. So those revenue dollars were brought in specifically because of that. And that's what we're going to see.
1: Sure, but I'm thinking more along the lines of a synergy between a particular act whether it's a headliner or a production show, and revenue generated in the casino and in other areas. So that, in other words, the bean counters look, and I use that term uh, bean counters, meaning accountants or the financial people, look at it and they say, you know, when we book so-and-so, we see an increase in the gaming revenue side, increase in the dining side, increase in the retail side. So let's book A versus B because B although I'm sure they sell out tickets, they don't do the other stuff.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's part of it. They they they, they certain acts they know are going to draw certain people and the, and then they see, you know, a, a a boost in gaming revenue or a boost in all the other revenue areas. You know, it's the same re, same way that you look at these big the big fights, you know, the the boxing and now, you know, mix the MMA, UFC and mixed martial arts competition. They being in the big high rollers, that will come in and want to gamble on, you know, bet on the fight, but also sports bettors, we know, bet on other things. They don't just bet on sports. For the most part, they'll bet on table games or slots or whatever the heck it is. And it's drawn in because of these, of the because of a certain fight or a certain act. Yeah, I think that's that they they do look at that and look at and look at what draws and what doesn't draw.
1: Well, last question, Howard. What, from your perspective, is was the big so far the biggest gaming story in 2019?
0: Oh, 2019.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can get get you to focus on one if there is one. Well, the
0: biggest story right now, I think, and we're following it is well it. it Nationally, it's sports betting. When the Supreme Court threw out PASPA in May of 2018, that allowed all these states to legalize well, defined,
1: sports betting. Define PASPA because nobody pa- knows. The what
0: Professional you're doing. and Amateur Sports Protection Act. What it did is it, it, it outlawed sports betting, single-game sports betting, basically. You know, Nevada was the only state with single-game sports wagering. That changed. The Supreme Court, Supreme Court threw it out, and we've had states all across the country legalize sports betting. The biggest story right now is the merger between Eldorado Resorts and Caesar's Entertainment. It's a seventeen point three billion dollar deal. Caesar, because of, of antitrust issues in all these different states, Eldorado says they're going to have to sell several properties off, you know, property, Caesar's or, or Eldorado properties, and they've already de- started doing that. And including the Las Vegas Strip, they're going to have to sell. Probably, they said there's nine properties of Caesar's properties in Las Vegas Strip. El Dorado thinks they only need a, a few. A, a few, you know, only need. You know, they could probably sell a couple of those properties. That's going to create new gaming companies. Um, we have a company out of you know Century Gaming out of Colorado acquired several of the El Dorado properties. It's a company out of Rhode Island, Twin River Resorts they're probably going to get into the mix here and, and maybe get a, a casino or two for, in this deal. So that's, that, I think, is the biggest story Gaming in, nationally for gaming is seeing, and especially in Las Vegas, if, if a couple of these strip resorts trains change hands, seeing these new companies come in, new operators, you know, different operators, and it changes, changes the look of the market, and that's, and that's great for all of us.
1: Well, that's a great way to end it. My guest has been award-winning journalist, Howard Stutz. He's executive editor of CDC Gaming Reports. It's a leading gaming industry news resource. He's also a contributor to the Nevada Independent. For everything about CDC, go to cdcgamingreports.com. And for everything about Howard Stutz, follow him on Twitter at Howard Stutz. And Howard, thanks for being on the show.
0: Anytime, i to happy to be on with you again.
1: Appreciate it. See you next time.
0: You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira each week. Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Las Vegas. Anything you want us to be, bring your fantasy. L. V. When you.